Welcome to There Are Levels to This Chick podcast, a place where we aim to engage, empower, educate, and entertain. Please welcome your host, Sangay Smith, a regular chick with opinions to share. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I really appreciate all of the positive feedback that I have been receiving from you in regards to episodes. Uh, Today, we have another guest on our our, um, podcast, and I want to take a moment to just give a brief introduction to him before he joins us. So Anton, uh, Anton Claiborne is a global relationship strategist marriage facilitator and sexual intimacy advisor. Anton and his wife, Star Claiborne, actually host a podcast as well, Love Marriage Fantasy. He and his wife help women and men discover self-identity and develop a progressive mindset. He has written books which develop love, harmony, relationships while helping with exploring and understanding the libido. Anton is also active in his community as a youth advisor. I wanted to welcome him today for a more uh, grown-up conversation. It is uh, very important to me that on this podcast, it is a forum where we can talk about silly topics, serious topics heavily important topics and also topics to deal with mental, physical, sexual health, um, all the different components of being a woman, being a human, and just being um, a growing person in this world and the impact things around us can have. So I really wanted to take the opportunity to have him on the podcast, not only because he's like a brother to me, but because I think he has a lot of uh, great input and a very different perspective than I would on a lot of different topics. So to hear his thoughts is going to be very fun. I do want to add a brief disclaimer that within the podcast, there is a moment where we have a discussion pertaining to the Catholic church or religion in general, and a generalized statement was made about the Catholic church and Protestants being the same. Of course, we are aware that at one point, uh, roughly around the uh, 16th century, there was a separation of the Roman Catholic church and the Protestant faith as it is now. Um, that was called the Reformation. And at that point, uh, there was a split um, where the Protestant faith became its own thing. Um, there was no belief or instruction from the Pope, whereas the Catholic faith still maintained that connection. Um, so I wanted to make sure I clarified that just in case I have any Catholics or Protestants who may listen to this episode. I want to ensure that uh, after the uh, episode was recorded, we were aware of uh, the error in what was said in that specific moment and wanted to make that clarity. So thank you so much for taking the time and let's get into it. Time to roll out the fanfare as we have a guest today, which means... It's time for Conversations with the Gemini. Hey, Kinfolk, welcome back to another episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. We actually have a guest and our first male guest, as you know it. He is essentially my brother. We can call him that, but he's also a coach. He focuses on relationships. He has a podcast, which you'll uh, hear a little bit more, or rather you've heard a little bit about in the intro, and we'll have him give us a little bit more details on that. But I just wanted to add a disclaimer today's episodes. I know most of my topics have been very general, but this is going to be definitely one of those topics that are not uh, 
kid friendly, so to speak. This is an adult um, conversation. This is an adult podcast. But I just wanted to add that up there in front um, before I introduced our guest today. So Antoine, uh, welcome to the podcast. Please take a moment to tell our guest a little bit about yourself, or rather tell our audience. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, guests and audience. <laughs> How are you all tonight? My name is Anton Lenar Claiborne. And as Sangay mentioned, she is my sister. We are spiritually connected. And so I am here to help share some things with her audience so that together with my audience, maybe we can help to free women away from their sexual inhibitions. Again, my name is Anton Lenar Claiborne. I am a marriage facilitator, certified marriage facilitator, and sexual intimacy advisor. You can find me on Facebook at Anton L. Claiborne. You can go to my website at ClaibourneCoaching.com to get more information about myself. As a coach, we work with singles and married couples to help them find the perfect relationship for them. But today I'm here to talk about how the media has affected women and their sexuality. That's actually a really great topic there. Um, I, I know we had talked briefly about the fact that that's something that I wanted to touch on. So I'm glad that I have the opportunity to speak about it with you. Um, but I wanted to, you mentioned earlier, um, you want to free from sexual inhibitions. Can, can you kind of speak to what you mean by that? I sure, I sure can. So what, I, uh, what we have learned from a survey we did, my wife and I, Star Claiborne, she's my partner in my business, Claiborne Coaching. We found after surveying 30 women that well, we ask the question, what do you want in a relationship or what do you want from a relationship? And we found that the top three things that all of all 30 women wanted was happiness, sex, financial stability. After asking a few more questions, we found that the, uh, of the women who mentioned sex as the first thing that they wanted, we found that they, it was them who were struggling with being sexually assertive with their partner. So that, that's what started my mission in, in trying to figure out uh, what happened with women nowadays that um uh, that has them feeling like they're they're afraid to initiate sex what what ha what happened in the past because i i realized it had to have been something that happened in the past that has these women uh our the age range of these of the women that we surveyed was excuse me was um 30 30 to 50. i know that's a huge range but that's our audience Mm -hmm. So in that in that age range, we realized, OK, there there was probably maybe some some um, some issues from their childhood 
that they're still dealing with that's causing them to not feel sexually free. Maybe there was maybe it wasn't some things from their childhood, but maybe some things they experienced as a young adult that still affecting them now. So that's that's what led to me starting this this journey into exploring what happened that has these women. Fully grown women still hesitant in initiating sex with their partners, married or long term dating. If you actually um, have a conversation with a a lot of people now, they would actually say that that's quite the opposite, that women are overtly more sexual than they used to be. But I guess um, based on what you're saying, it's not necessarily the uh, initiation onset of sexuality with just a casual relationship. But when it comes to a long term relationship that is, uh, whether it's months, years in that these women are having these difficulties. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and, and I'm glad, I'm glad you worded that way. The, like I said, um, those were the top three things, happiness, financial stability, and sex. All of the women didn't mention sex. The majority of them did. I need to correct myself because because I think right. I said all of them. The majority of them did mention that sex was an issue. When we dug a little deeper, we found out that they're not. Some of these women are not what would be considered shy women or timid women. Mm-hmm. The problem that they have is telling or. We learn one of the problems they have when it comes to having sex with their partner. They don't know how to get over that hurdle of telling him what they want sexually. So then based on what you're saying, I don't know if it's necessarily an inhibition to the idea of sex itself, but more so the expression or rather the verbal expression of wants and needs. In regards to sex, yes, yes, absolutely, yes. So, in my research, I found in the early, I'm sorry, the late 1920s, there was a um, there was an explosion of sexuality in film. Mm-hmm. It was it actually started in the theaters in the stage plays but then it carried over uh once um uh they started recording film i'm sorry started using film the the sexual activities that was on the stage carried over to film during this time nudity was acceptable in any form people could kiss They could talk about sex openly. They could walk around nude, men, women, uh, straight, homosexual. It was, everything was fair game when it came to entertaining the masses. Mm -hmm. Shortly after this explosion of the film industry, the church... And well, let me be more specific. The Catholic Church 
because it just wasn't it, it, it wasn't just a specific church. It was the leaders of the Catholic Church. They began feeling the general public was getting away from following the 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 rules because I don't want to I'm not a Catholic so I can't speak on what they the things that they follow so I'm just going to say rules they rather their doctrines and um... right their doctrines and so what they did was they had a prominent figure of the Catholic community sit down and create a group of, I'm sorry, a list of do's and don'ts that the that would be shared with members of the Catholic Church so that they would know which movies they could watch without, without being offended and which movies to stay away from. Right. This list soon became something that politicians saw as a way for them to get votes. That led to the Catholic Church and politicians coming together and saying, what can we do to get a hold of the free sexual attitude that's happening in Hollywood? Right. And And you're talking about... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say you're talking about the Hayes Code, right? Yes, I'm talking about the Hayes. I'm getting to Hayes. Okay, so uh, since you mentioned him. So um, the, oh man, his name is not coming to my mind right now. But his last name was Hayes. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he was he was appointed to be the head of this organization that mm-hmm. would censor every film that was produced in Hollywood and in New York. At this time, New York and Hollywood were the biggest uh, uh, film producers okay. and manufacturers. So Mr. Hayes gathered a team of, of people, some politicians, some of the Catholic Church. And he assigned them to cover regions. Each of these um, team members had this list of rules that they had to use while checking the content of these films. Now, mind you, this was in, this didn't go into full effect until the early 1930s. But it, okay. the the idea of it started in the late 1920s. Okay, so when it went into when the Hayes Code went into full effect, it was it it not only was um, supported by the Catholic Church, but like I said, politicians as well. And and this is the part that that really caught my attention. Somehow they were able to influence the the uh, the popular masses, the the socialites. I guess that's that would be a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. So these people who were the rich and the famous, but they were followers of the Catholic Church, 
they put their money behind this organization so that they'll right. have more power. So now you have the the popular socialites, the politicians, and the Catholic Church. They're all pushing this moral message of these are the things that we want to see in movies. If you're not going to show these things, you cannot make the movie. They were doing this before production even started. They would get the script, sit down and go over the script line by line. And anything that did not fall up under the haze code, it was dismissed. You couldn't put it in the, in the picture. Well, I'm sorry, what were you going to say, Sangay? No, I was just saying, I remember uh, when I was younger, I would watch um, I Dream of Jeannie. And I remember uh, Barbara Eden talking about later how she couldn't show her belly button. And that's why her um, pants that she had were so high waisted. And I think that this was a part of that or the fact that you couldn't even kiss for more than three seconds in a film. Like one of the first films to do that was the birds because Hitchcock was like, Nope, we're not <laughs> dealing with these laws. I'm about to do a two and a half minute montage of kissing. And I don't care what you think. <laughs> wow. You, and I'm glad you mentioned Hitch, Hitchcock because there were some uh, rebel forces who were fighting against the Hayes Code. They they realized if they if they allowed um, the 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 group was called the um, the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors Association mm -hmm. MPDA. So this this uh, this group of re film rebels they decided if they allowed the MPPDA to control their films, eventually they, they were going to start dictating to them how they get, I'm sorry, the amount of money that they make from their films. And they, right. weren't, they were not going to let that happen. So they said, what we will start doing is making films without submitting them to the MPPDA. These films became known as the slut films, the the black market films, the uh, the uh, the um, there was another term that they used. Uh, but to sum it up, these films had the sexuality that the public wanted to see. Right. So now we have a a, a clash of mindsets because these slut films were making tons of money. Whereas the, the movies that the uh, MPPDA were putting out through Hollywood, they were doing good, but they wasn't making as much money as the black market films. So what they did, what, what the MPPDA did, they said, we need more control over the films that are being made. So they went and they st they started saying, we're not only going to ban uh, uh, sex, but we're going to ban violence also. And anything that could lead people to stray away from their moral, moral values. When that happened, the Europeans got involved. 
and they started shipping their films over here to America. All of this, Sangay, all of this went on up until the late 60s. So think about that. You have something that, that started in, in the early 1930s where they were where they where they were putting out the message that the way a woman is supposed to conduct herself is in this manner. She doesn't talk about right. sex. She doesn't show her body. She doesn't uh, do anything that, that implies that she wants to be sexual. Um, she she's supposed to stay home and take care of her family. Uh, and then they went on to take away, take violence out of film. So you couldn't see anyone uh, beating up a, poli a police officer. You couldn't see you. You you were not allowed to see anyone questioning any figure of authority, especially a figure uh, of the of the uh, clergy. You you couldn't see any homosexuality. You couldn't see any anything uh, as far as young love, where you know teenagers getting together. They wouldn't show any of that. Anything that would make the general public feel sexually aroused or aroused uh, or, or um, um, provoked towards violence, they banned all of it. Right. So this went on from the early 30s until 1968. Before 1968, the, the MPPDA began to lose traction. People, people started fighting against them. Uh, in the in the late fifties, early sixties, and then eventually right. in sixty eight, they finally made a new code, which uh, like we what, like we talked about earlier is the Motion Motion Picture Association ratings, and that's what we have now with the R rating and the PG rating and the NC seventeen and the G rating, and did I miss one? Right. Uh, I want to add something with that, because that's called the MPAA. That's the motion, as you said, the Motion Picture Association of American Film, that rating system. They're a very secretive organization and they tend to be very problematic because it tends to be that they deem sex to be more inappropriate than violence. And it's essentially that you have, um, and I have a quote from an actor, there was actually a film called Blue Valentine that starred Ryan Gosling and I think Michelle Williams. And it received an NC-17 rating for a scene between him and the actress because it was deemed too sexually explicit. And his commentary on that was, he said, you have, a, you have to question a cinematic culture which preaches artistic expression and yet would support a decision that is clearly a product of a patriarchy-dominant society which tries to control how women are depicted on scene. The MPPA or rather the MPAA is okay supporting scenes that portray women in scenes of sexual torture and violence for entertainment purposes, but they're trying to force us to look away from a scene that shows a woman in a sexual scenario, which is both com um, complicit and complex. It's misogynistic in nature. And I thought that was a really great quote because it is very true. When you look at movies that are violent, like Twister has a lower rating than uh, some movies, um, like Boys Don't Cry, I think that was rated R, but Twister, which was a pretty violent, could have been rated R, but because it was more so violence than sexuality, it got a PG-13 rated. 
Oh, wow. So here you have, wow, that, that's interesting. But I'm not surprised because when the, uh, in 68, in when uh, Hollywood began to take control of the rating system again, they, they realized there was a huge audience not just for the sex, but for the violence as well. Mm-hmm. But they had to find a way to to hit that 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 middle middle ground to where they would get get the average person back into the theaters. And that's when so then that's when you started seeing more of the uh, shootouts and and car races. I mean, not car, uh, car chases and things like that. Because they realized that those type of scenes, it got people excited. Sex and violence sells. Sex and violence sells. So now we're looking at over 30 years of these people, the Catholic Church, politicians, and the the rich people, the socialites, of these over 30 years of these people dictating how women are supposed to conduct themselves but and they did it through the media through you uh, by way of film so now every woman who went to see any of those films that was approved by the Hayes code they were influenced by what they were watching mm-hmm. they were being programmed to think this what I'm seeing in this film is how I'm supposed to conduct myself as a woman. This is how I'm supposed to talk. This is how I'm supposed to respond to my husband. This is how I'm supposed to keep my house. This is how I'm supposed to dress. This is how I'm supposed to raise my children. When I'm in public, I'm not supposed to question my husband. When I'm, when I'm in public, I'm not supposed to do anything to embarrass my husband. From 1930, Sangay, all the way up until 1968, you had generations that were affected by this code. How do we know this? We know this because you we know this this is still affecting us because even now you have young women in their 30s who will say, my grandmother told me a woman is not supposed to make the first move when uh, when courting a man. That's something that has been passed on from what the Hayes Code uh, uh, introduced to the general public. Because you have to remember, before the Hayes Code, women were wild and free. In the in, in before the Hayes Code, what we see now with with the Nicki Minaj and the Beyonce and all of that, and and Salma Hayek and and I don't know some other actresses, they were doing that before the Hayes Code. The Hayes Code came along and shut all of it down. 
Well, I think there was there was definitely a level of um, not necessarily full restriction, but I do see what you're saying that there was some adjustments or rather some major adjustments because of the institution of these codes. But I also want to make a, a a pretty big point is that it's not just on the part of the the women being taught by their parents or their grandmothers it's also uh learned behavior because if a woman did behave in a way that was outside of uh what was considered to be proper with a man then he wouldn't take her seriously and that would be something that a woman that would be a fling more than somebody that they would marry we all have heard the concept of sowing your ro- your royal oats uh, or um, going or uh, playing around and then coming back and finding somebody to marry who's uh, more pure. It's like the um, the Mary and um, I think it's Mag- the Mary Magdalene like syndrome that they say where it's like a, a guy wants to marry Mary but hang out with uh, I think it's Magdalene. I can't remember her name. I didn't obviously uh, read the Bible as well, but it's basically that concept. So it's not just reiterated or happens through that. It's reinforced through the behaviors um, that men uh, have towards women as well, or how other women may judge these women. Uh, It's the church. You look at Baptist church, you look at Catholic church. It's very Mormon church. You look in most churches, it is pretty much almost forbidden for a woman to even to a certain degree, except for actually the Muslim faith. It's pretty much uh, said that that's every religion is like, you should pretty much not enjoy sex. It's for procreation only. I think the only faith that I'm aware of that actually encourages sexuality between a husband and a wife is the Muslim faith. Any other one, it's like, just cut it off as soon as possible. This is being done to bring new life into the world and it should not be something that's glorified. It just should be. And you're right. Uh, 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 most uh, religions, religious doctrines, they do teach that sex is something that should be used for procreation. Now keep that in mind because that mindset is what caused the Catholic Church to step up and say, hey, we have to put a stop to the the, the sexual wildness that's happening in these movies. Mm-hmm. Because it's taking people away from the guidance of the Bible. And remember, the Catholic Church is the most powerful church there is. All, all of the other branches fall under the Pope. So if the Catholic Church is saying, we've got to stop this, this uh, liberal mindset because it's causing people to get away from the church. It's causing people to get away from the teachings of, of the Bible. We've got to do something about it. If, if the people in power political power are supporters of the Catholic Church, they're going to do what the Catholic leaders request of them. Well, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily the Catholic Church anymore. I don't think there's a lot of, well, they are Catholic people in politics, but it's more, I guess, going towards maybe Protestant. I could be wrong. Well, be wrong. well, um, well but- you have to remember all of them, all of them fall up under the Pope, because it's it's the Pope is the one who 
who assigns bishops and, and reverends and pastors. They they have to get their they have to get basically certification from the Pope. All of the, right. the Pope is the highest ranking Christian in the in the Christian religion. That's the top dog. Right. Yeah. No, so, I get that. I so get that. when 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 the when the Catholic Church saw that the women back then were pulling, I mean, were not only removing themselves from the church, but they were pulling the men as well. Because as you know, where the women go, the men will follow. So during the 1920s, and this this part is important because this was when uh, the 1920s was when the women started going to work and getting jobs. They started getting degrees in education. They started voting. So now you have the women leaving the kitchen, or let me not say the kitchen. They're leaving the home and going out and building lives for them, building careers for themselves. They're feeling, they're feeling themselves. They're feeling a lot more free. And so as the women were in the, the direction the women were going, the men was following as well because the men already wanted more sex in their lives. So what happened was, and this this part right here is just is is just it, it really made me stop and think and say, wow, you know, women really have more more power than they most women don't know, but women have more power than they realize. It was the it was the women who agreed to start showing showing themselves nude in the in the pictures. It was the women who started that movement. It wasn't the movie producers. It was the women who said, and um, there's there's books that's written about this. You you'll have to go research the books that's written about the Hayes Code and early Hollywood, pre-code Hollywood. But it was the women who who saw the potential to make money by being nude in these films. So when they did it, the men said, I want to go see these naked women because my wife isn't showing me any any nakedness at home. That, that is when the shift uh, uh, towards the sexual freedom or sexual wildness uh, disturbed the Catholic church. Because like I said, not only were the women leaving the home, but the men was leaving the home to go see these naked women in the films. So the Catholic church came in and said, nope, we got to put a stop to this so we can get them back into the church. Right. Uh, Sangay, let, let me ask you. Um, are you still in touch with your grandmother? No, unfortunately, my grandma passed away. Do you know when she was born? Uh, she died when she was in her 80s, almost 90. And it was like 10 years. She was probably born in like ooh, the 30s, maybe 20s or 30s. Somewhere 20s or 30s? There. Maybe a little bit later, but it was it was down there. So there's a there's a good chance that your grandmother 
if she lived in the States or if she if she was exposed to any of the entertainment that came from the States, she was exposed to these films that showed how, uh, according to uh, the Hayes Code, how a woman is supposed to conduct herself. Yeah, also my grandma was very religious, so I don't think even with or without the films, I think she was still going to act in accordance to what she felt the the Bible and her faith wanted her to act like. And plus in Jamaica, there's not a lot of movies going around, so I don't even know if she probably saw a movie until she was much older. Probably, but these films supported that Bible uh, lifestyle. Mm-hmm. They 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 did that intentionally. I'm sorry. They they kept themselves. I'm sorry. Let me back up. The presence of the Catholic influence was left out of the Hayes Code intentionally. They did not want people to know that the things that was happening in the films was because of the order that came from the church. So they made it a point that there would be nothing mentioned about the Catholic church being involved in this. Right. They made it all look political. They made all of it look political. Yeah, but even from a political basis, I think that one of the greatest things with a with this country is that there has never really been a true separation of church and state. No, and people can tell when the <laughs> the laws and the and the things that are being passed are being influenced by that, and because a lot of politicians, especially um, Republican politicians, maybe not necessarily in the fifties, it might have been Democrats because it's around that time that the actual politics of Democrats and Republicans. Republicans switched. But regardless of that, the more conservative um, people tend to put religion at the forefront of their talking points because they know that religious conservative people will vote based on religion more so than many other major topics because they had the room to do so. Even within the Black community, there's going to be many of times where uh, black people to this day will vote against their best interest or their own interest because they will vote for their religious interests. Yes, they will. The 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 connection that the black community has to relate to religion is very strong. It's 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 cemented and it's it's not going. Well, I can't see it ever falling away or, or, or falling apart. But I think that with religion and the black community, maybe not all communities, I think with with wider differences, uh, different cultures, it may be different, but you have to think about the what religion means to black people. It is faith, it's hope, and it is a way to save yourselves from oblivion, which is when the onset of religion really tied itself was in slavery. It was the only thing they had that was to a certain degree good or pure or gave them hope or a will to live or to be free. So when something is that tied and that ingrained in your body, it becomes a part of your DNA to a certain degree. And I think that's a major reason why black people in general tend to be so tied to religion is because religion 
was so tied to the survival to a certain degree of black people, even though it's not our own religion or the religion that we uh, came with before coming to the States. It's the religion that we were taught and then used to fortify ourselves for survival. True. I, I agree with that. However, there is, and, and, and I'm going to go back to what I said earlier as far as um, uh, what, what this code produced, which was sexual suppression, and um, it, it created uh, sexual inhibitions. If, if there if they had been, if the slaves, I'm talking about, because you mentioned slavery, if the slaves had been allowed to express themselves freely in every way, that would have included sexually. The, the one thing, if, you, if you've done any study on, on um, the history of slaves in America, one thing we know that was used against us the men, one thing we know that was used against us was our women. The lives of our women and children were threatened anytime a man tried to buck and fight against his slave master. Now, most people would, would, would probably say, well, what does that have to do with sex? It has a lot to do with sex. Men value women not just because of, you know, her her appearance and the way she makes him feel, but because he knows that that's the seed to his future, to 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 his children. It, uh, the, the man sees, and it, it will always be like this. Well, in any any heterosexual man, <laughs> they will always see the woman as being the key to their prolonged future. So in, in knowing that, the slave master would say, okay, well, the only thing I have to do is just put your woman in check and then you'll fall in line. If the right. slaves had been allowed to express themselves sexually, it would have, it would have given them the opportunity to connect spiritually. How do we know this? We know this because sex, emotions, and intellect are all connected. All of it starts in the mind. So if you had the opportunity as a slave to be intimate with your wife and you are able to, to connect emotionally while you're having sex, you would have been in a better position to think about what you could possibly do to get out of this situation, out of this slavery situation that you're in. I can't really speak much on that because I've never been a slave. But I do know from my own research that when a man and a woman come together intimate, sexually intimately, and they make that connection, that emotional connection, it affects the way they think about everything that they're trying to do as a couple. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that being a, an impact. 
So we've talked a little bit about just the general idea of uh, sexual expression. And also we went into detail about the Hayes Code, which, as you noted, has lasted, what, 30 years and how that has influenced Hollywood, a little bit of how it's influenced the media. But what can you say on... So I guess to, to sum it up, what's, well, what's the point? What does that lead to for us now? What does knowing what we know about the Hayes Code, the influence of Hollywood on relationships, the sexual suppression, the impact of religion, what does that do now to help us get to a better place? Or how, rather, how do we use that knowledge now to get us to a better place? Okay. The first thing we would need to do is acknowledge it and accept it as real. Because even if everyone who listens to this podcast, I shouldn't say everyone, but lots of people who listen to this podcast, they'll hear what we're saying, Sangay, but they won't accept it as being something that's affecting them. Even though they are a product of their grandparents who are a product of their grandparents. So that means at some point, going three generations back, which would put you in that, in that area where the Hayes Code was in effect, some woman, one of the women, whether it was great-grandma or grandma, one of those women was influenced by the Hayes Code. She saw these movies, and these movies told her, this is how you're supposed to act as a woman. There's no other way. This is how you do it. If you want a good man, you're supposed to act like this. She took that information, saw how the other women around her were acting, and she concluded, well, if I want to get a good man, I better act like them. People will hear this information and they will say, that doesn't apply to me. Although they will, they can look at their life and say, am I conducting myself the way that my mother or my grandmother told me? Or am I really being sexually free? Am I really expressing my sexual sexual interest the way that I want to? Right. So my question is, Anton, why does it matter if somebody's in a relationship? Yeah. And I'm just asking the question. Now, okay. I'm not, I know why it matters, but I'm asking if someone's in a relationship and they're in a overall successful relationship, they're not uh, as a woman, quote unquote, sexually free in the way that they're not initiating or asking to initiate sex in a certain way. Why does that in the long run matter to relationships, to marriages, which is the focus of what you deal with? It matters because it, 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 it helps one to eliminate insecurities. When you know that you have that, that, we'll just say that sexual connection. And as I, as I pointed out earlier, it's mental, emotional, and intellectual. When you know you have that connection with your partner, you're not worried about your partner going out there and, and, and cheating on you because your partner knows that there's no one else out there that can compare to you. How does he, how does he know that? Because you and you and him, or the two of you, I should say, 
you all connect in such a way when if I'm sorry, if he was approached by another woman, the idea of that woman breaking the connection he has with his wife, that idea alone would stop that woman from being able to come in and interfere with the connection he has with his wife. Because I don't know if I agree with that, Anton. He, he val- let, let me tell you, if the connection is solid, where where the two of them have that, like I said, that mental, emotional, and intellectual connection. If they are truly into that connection, no other woman will be able to come in. This is important if the two of them plan on having children. Because when they have the children, all of that energy, that love, that they have within themselves is going to be passed on to their children. And that those children, they will be birthed carrying that same mindset and it will help them to be able to deal with life once their parents are gone. Their parents will have, will, will have passed on to their children genetically the things that they need to survive after the parents have moved on. Now I know you said you don't you don't agree with what I'm saying, but I can. I well, not wholeheartedly the whole thing, but what I'm saying is the idea that the the having that connection alone is enough to stop someone from cheating. I don't feel like that's. I don't think that's accurate. Okay, well, let me give you an example. Can I give you an example? Sure. Okay, here we go. So there is a saying that goes something like this. Any naked woman can have sex with a man once he sees her naked body. That, that's, a, that's a saying that a naked woman can have, can have sex with a man if he sees her naked. Mm-hmm. I know men personally, and we could probably find some if we, if we were to do a survey, who have been who, who are in a relationship, they've been in a room with naked women, but they chose not to have sex with that naked woman because they valued the connection they have with their wife more than having sex with that, that woman, that naked woman. Well, Just, what I'm I'm not saying that they don't value that relationship. What I'm saying is that the sexual the sexual part of that relationship is not all that is. There's trust, there's connection, there's love, whether that's love um based on friendship or true partnership. There's a lot of things that go into whether or not a man will cheat in a relationship because there's a lot of sexually happy men or men who feel connected to their partners that still cheat. And there's a lot of people or a lot of men and women rather cuz men are not the only ones that cheat women cheat as well but there's a lot of people who are happy who are sexually satisfied who are in a great relationship and have all of these wonderful things and they still cheat so it's not i can't say or rather i can't agree that it's going to be only surrounding that sexual aspect i think there's a lot of other factors that go into whether a person will decide if they cheat or not, it could be morals, it could be different connections, it could be just a lot of different factors that impact that to me. I understand what you're saying. And there there will be other factors. But what we have to realize is 
the one thing other than the money, the the uh, of the, the physical things, the one thing that keeps a relationship together is the connection a person makes when they are sexually involved with someone. Mm-hmm. If that connection is becomes unstable, you could ask either one, the man or the woman, and they will tell you there's a problem. So, and that's just I'm just looking at it from from that perspective, just just on the the physical the physicality right. of the the two of them coming together. So if 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 we if we if we have if we look at it just from that perspective. And we say weddings, I'm sorry, not weddings, but before weddings became the 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 thing that couples do to to uh to solidify their their union, it was sex. It wasn't it wasn't uh uh the, the, the marriage thing uh that we do now didn't come into play until after we became slaves. When a man and woman decided to come together and, 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 and form a union, it was a sexual connection that formed that union. So right. you can say that, you know, uh, a man uh, will, even if he's having good sex, he'll still go out and cheat. We could say that, but we then have to define what do you mean by good sex? Because I'm not I'm not talking about just average, you know, uh, 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 satisfying my dick type sex. What I'm talking about is sex, like I said, that that connects you and your partner mentally, emotionally, intellectually. I'm not I got I'm not even talking about the spiritual side of it because. Uh, uh, before, like I said, before weddings and marriages came into play, sex was always seen as a spiritual act. It didn't. It didn't become lustful until we until after the slave thing happened. Sex was always seen as the way the man and woman comes together, mentally, physically, spiritually. They become one spirit, one soul. When that sex act takes place, we've gotten away from that. Well, not everyone, but most people have gotten away from that mindset of, okay, sex is really a spiritual act. It's a it's a spiritual act that joins us physically. We've gotten away to look look. We've gotten away from looking at it that way. We've gotten away from seeing it as a spiritual act. We just see it as a physical act. Once, if we, I shouldn't say once, if we can get back to that, we'll then be able to look at what happened with the Hayes Code and say, we cannot let that shit happen again because it got us away from seeing someone as, wow, I can have this person in my life and they can become one with me. And all we have to do is connect sexually. What it did was it made us say, oh, man, I I want this person, but I have to 
make sure that I set myself up to look a certain way and talk a certain way so this person will want me in return. When that's not what it's all about. It's all about an exchange of energy. It's all about, and an it actually is a chemical uh, experience that takes place within the hormones that 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 um, that attracts that person to you. But if you're if we're so busy focusing on our appearance, we'll miss the connection. We'll miss the possibility of connecting with someone. And that's what we're dealing. That all of that is the result of this haze code that that was put in place. It got people away from just being naturally sexual. Because you got to keep in mind, before the haze code, people were doing, people were living life freely, happily. Yeah, there was violence going on, but that's a part of life. People were having fun. People were jobless, but that's a part of life. People were having sex freely, but that's a part of life. The Hayes Code came along and they shut down that free mindset. They stopped people from feeling that like it was natural to be sexual. They made people feel like it was unnatural to have sex with someone who you saw as physically attractive because they stirred up your emotions so much that you wanted, wanted that person to be connected to you. They stopped people from embracing that idea and made them think that, nope, I have to sit here and wait uh, from a woman's perspective. As a woman, I have to sit here and wait for him to come and talk to me. If he doesn't talk to me, well, then maybe I just missed my opportunity. It shouldn't be like that, Sange. We're supposed to be able to, we're supposed to be free to live our lives the way we want to live them. The Hayes Code fuck that up and we're still suffering from it you brought up earlier you brought up um about the the black exploitation movies that right there was a part of the, the stuff that came after the haze code because remember i said they had to figure out a way to get people back into the movie theaters they realized the negro was starting to make money well we got to get the negroes back into the theater too I'm sorry, we have to get the Negroes into the theater too. Okay, so now that the Hayes Code has been lifted, let's start bringing some black women in here. The sisters just wanted money. They weren't really concerned about the effects that, that you know, uh, being nude in the camera, in front of the camera was going to do. They just wanted money. So I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't, the, the, the sisters that they go out and they use their body for their survival. I don't have any problems with that. What I have a problem with is anyone, both men and women, not acknowledging that there is a there is a a program that is in place that's causing us to get away from being ourselves, being our true selves. It's a, it's it, it's it's affecting us. I'm sorry, it, it started affecting us then and it's still affecting us now. It affects us so much through the average person has no idea of what they want for themselves. They have no idea. The, uh, the average person doesn't know what makes them happy. 
Right. I think that you also have to look at today's society. I don't think that the same issues that we had at the time that the Hayes Code or was in in place is currently today. Because you look at, you mentioned earlier Cardi B, or you could even look at um, different artists such as Megan Thee Stallion, even Beyonce to a certain degree. There's a lot more sexuality and a lot more emphasis on a woman being sexual and being a sexual creature. But at the end of the day, while we're having those developments, what I guess the core of what I want to get to for you is when it comes to relationship, asking these questions and building these connections, how do you propose that should be done? If we are in a state now where that shift has happened, yet these women still feel the same way about themselves or about how they feel about sex and relationships, how do they shift their mindset? How do they get to the point where they're more open and more willing to have those types of conversations? They get to that point by being honest with themselves. And by being honest with yourself, it's going to lead to you exploring the question of, why do I have these desires, these sexual desires? Why? And if I have these sexual desires, why am I not acting on them? So in, in asking yourself those questions, you start gaining knowledge of self. The, the, one of the most uh, amazing things that, that I learned Know thyself is a term that has been, I'm sorry, that is used in every spiritual doctrine. Know thyself. It's a, it's a golden rule, if you want to call it that. It's a, it's a guide that is present in every spiritual doctrine. So that tells us that part right there questioning yourself so that you can learn about yourself and discover who you are, it's important. But what's happening right now is we're not questioning who we are. We're just trying to figure out what we want. So our wants have, our wants have, our wants have become more important than self-discovery. So now you have the Cardi B's and the Beyonce's and the Jay Z's and the and the Drakes and the Lil Wayne's and uh, uh, the Wendy Williams and you know all of them. They're out getting their money. They're living a lavish life because that's what they want. But then after they get their wants, and I'm sure you're aware of this, Sange. After they get their wants, and they settle down and they realize, okay, I got everything I wanted. Soon after that, what happens? You see them in a relationship with someone because they realized after they got what they wanted, they started questioning themselves. Well, there's something I need. There's just something I need. And it's that connection with someone who wants to be connected to them. So they right. go out looking for it. 
So one thing I will say though is like you say, know yourself, but what comes after that? Understanding yourself and knowing yourself is great. What comes, that, what comes after that is freedom. What comes after that is the freedom to say, this is what I want and I know why I want it. So I'm going to get it. Or this is what I want to do. I know why I want to do it. So I'm going to do it. That mindset removes all doubt. Being able to live that way, that's freedom. You're not relying on anyone else to give you permission to do anything. Because as you know, when we turn to other people for their input, it sometimes creates doubt within us. When you know who you are, when you know yourself, you don't need someone else's input. You don't need someone else's advice. You're following what you know is good for you and no one else. That's the mindset we have to get back to. So it, it has to start with knowledge of self, knowing who you are, questioning yourself. Why do I like this? Why do I dislike that? Why do I sit this way? Why do I walk that? Why, why do I walk that way? Why do I like eating this particular food? Why do I not like this food? Why do I talk to people the way that I talk to them? Why do I walk around with this attitude even though I'm having a good day? We have to question ourselves on everything and keep a journal of it. I tell my clients, every client I have, I tell them, you must start a journal. Record everything that happens in your life that causes you to question yourself. Because when you question yourself, that that tells you you have an issue you need to you need to address. Whatever it is that you're questioning that about yourself, that's an issue that you need to address about yourself. So then once you once you address that issue, now you can say, OK. If this happens again. I will know how to deal with it in a way that's good for me so that I won't have to question the results. And we have to keep in mind, Sangay, the only thing that matters to anyone is the results of their actions. That's it. So as long as the results are good for you, you're going to continue doing what you're doing. But if you if you do something where you don't like the results, you're going to question it and say, uh, Hmm, something's not right. I'm not really, I'm not comfortable with the way that this is unfolding. I'm not comfortable with the way that this happened. Well, that's the time for you to start journaling. But this is how we get over the 30 years of sexual suppression. We have to start questioning ourselves so that we can get back to being Free, free to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Now, some people might hear me say that and they say, well, you can't be free as long as you went living in America. You'll always be a slave because you're, you're, you're a Negro. You're black. You'll always be a nigga. That mindset right there. That is another issue that people have to learn to deal with. People have to question themselves. Why do I think like that? Who told me that? 
Who told me that I am a nigger and I will always be a nigger? Where did that come from? Then once you once you start questioning and you realize where it came from, you then have the power to say, I'm going to walk away from this. Okay, I get that. So I guess just to, to close out, I just want to hear maybe um, your final thoughts around the entire topic of, uh, well, rather what we're talking about today, which is the sexual suppression and really the key things that you want women to take away from this conversation, or even men, if you have that um, talk track as well, just what you want to be taken from this conversation. What's the key things that you want to make sure that someone comes away with? Okay. The key thing I want to make sure that someone comes away with from this discussion is it's okay to be unsure. There's nothing wrong with it. So stop feeling like just because you don't know what you want to do, that there's something wrong with you. When you when you become aware that you're unsure about something, that's the time to start questioning yourself to get that knowledge of self. So the one thing I want you to walk away with is the importance of knowing who you are. Take the time to study yourself so that you can learn who you are. It'll free you away from all the all of the things that are messing up your life. That's it. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. I was really good hearing your insight. I actually, prior to um, this conversation, it was really the first time I looked into the Hayes Code and really had a, a general understanding. I knew that there was definitely some restrictions and I had the same knowledge as you that that shifted around the 1930s, but I uh, had never really dug into the cause of that. You could kind of actually say the same thing happened with comic books. There was definitely a time too where comic books were able to do and say whatever they wanted. And when it got to a certain level of, oh, wait, you're getting too sexual. The <laughs> violence is good, but you're getting too sexual. They did a shift and uh, created boards and uh, ratings and the same thing with music. So I think that at certain points, uh, as I mentioned earlier, there's not really a separation of church and state. When religion gets involved, laws get passed that will restrict and uh, constrict uh, what a person can see, hear, um, or enjoy without having a level of guilt or without it being preached that it should be a different talk track. Mm -hmm. You know, awesome. can I just Thank comment so on this much. real quick because you mentioned the comic books. Can I just comment on something? Sure. Uh, going back to the, the influence that the Hayes Code had, that, uh, because you mentioned comic books, it reminded me of a cartoon character called Betty Boop. Have you heard of Betty Boop, Sangay? Yeah, I'm familiar with Betty. Okay, Betty Boop. Uh, she now now this is this is this is an inanimate object. Betty Boop was forced to change her clothing <laughs> because of the Hayes Code. She used to walk around in. Uh, in a, um, I think they call them flapper skirts or something like that. After the Hayes Code, 
this cartoon character who was a woman, she was forced to put on a full skirt. I'm sorry, it was a skirt that went down to her knees. Right. So I just wanted to mention that because I just I just want people to know that this this the influence that they had, it did not just affect the film industry. It affected other other forms of media, other platforms. No, I definitely agree. But uh, in regards to Betty Boop, she's a stolen depiction of a black woman, anyway. So, oh yes, that, that's true. I for, I, I forgot <laughs> to mention that part. But get, but they still forced her to put on some clothes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Anton. I really appreciate it. I uh, had a good time having this conversation with you today. I definitely hope we have the opportunity to talk more. Uh, once again, um, please, I will have Anton's information in the description box if you are interested in hearing the podcast he and his wife uh, star have. You are also more than welcome to subscribe. I would encourage you to subscribe to their podcast. Even if you're single or a couple, they're here to help aid you in building positive, great connections with your partner, as well as finding the right partner for uh, you as you continue through your days and trying to really build successful relationships. Um, so please look out for that. And I uh, thank you once again for joining us for today's episode. As always, it is a pleasure and I look forward to speaking with you. Thank you so much for listening to There Are Levels to This Chick podcast. To submit your state with your chest rants and read our newest blog posts, please check out the official podcast website. There are levels to this chick.com. If you want to chat with me about today's topic or even give me ideas on what you would like to hear me talk about, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All the links are in the description below. Remember, kinfolk, we are here to grow into greatness together.